This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void. And I'm here with my co-host Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. Whoa, I gotta lay off the nuts. <laughs> I do like that pull quote. Uh, today's feature presentation is Enchanted. Katie, what's Enchanted? It is one of the greatest movies that was ever made in 2007, and it is... I don't know. It's everything. It takes the all of the like everything you love and hate about princess movie animated princess movies and pulls it into real life yeah it was really good so it's a 2007 film um where giselle who's she's the princess in this movie is a very stereotypical disney princess and she's forced out of her animated fairy tale world into modern day well modern day in quotes so like 2007 um New York City by an evil queen. She gets pushed into it. And then it switches over from animation to live action. And it's kind of interesting. So again, I, I like looking up the history of these movies as we're going through them. I think I'm going to do this more as we go forward. But this marks Disney's return to animation after they had entirely moved away from it. So in 2004, they had officially moved over to not doing any hand animation anymore. It was all like 3D animated stuff and CG animation. This is the first time that they actually did like hand animation after that point. So this movie was enough of something that they wanted to like go for a certain aesthetic that they came back around to it, which I thought was super cool. Oh, I love that. Cause like the animation is really pretty. Yeah, it was really, really well done. Um, this movie did well enough at the box office that there's actually a sequel in development. I didn't know that until I looked it up, but it's called disenchanted. Probably it's not out yet. We'll see if that ever makes it out of development. Uh, you never know. You never know with a movie. You have no idea how long I have been waiting for the sequel like i've known about it for a long time because they talked about it and they started getting people on board for it and i've been waiting since 2007 for there to be a sequel so they need to get on this yeah um so it's totally like katie said it's a it's a send-up of disney movie tropes especially disney princess movies and it's really disney just poking fun at itself but they do it extremely well there are so many ways you could have done this movie and had it fall flat but they do it and it it works like i can't believe how well it works so you know giselle is the the princess that falls into modern day new york um the flip side of it is Patrick Dempsey. So Patrick Dempsey, he basically plays like the straight man to her a fairy tale person and he gets to react to all of the Disney nonsense that all of us want to react to in modern day. He gets to do that in the course of the movie. And he slowly warms up over the course of the movie out of his kind of day-to-day drudgery of just like being an attorney, right? He's a divorce attorney in New York. So really at the core um, Enchanted is a Disney, like a classic Disney princess movie as viewed through modern audience lenses and with our current society norms and values kind of applied to it, which makes it, it's just so, so interesting. I don't know. There's just everything about it is just so wonderful because you're just like, you stare confused at all the, the hallmarky Disney princessy stuff that happens. But then at the same time, uh, Patrick Dempsey's character, like Robert, like every time he reacts to something that Giselle does, you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how I react now to like Ariel or Cinderella or Aurora. Yeah. Patrick Dempsey is all of us, basically. Um, Pretty much. So high level thoughts about the movie. What do you think? Um, Well, this is actually this is definitely one of my all time favorite Disney movies ever and it's also the movie that i share with my best friend like she and i talk quote this movie all the time or we'll watch it at the same time when we're in like different states 
It's literally like the most important movie to the two of us. That's super cool. Um, I love the music. I love the soundtrack in this movie. I actually told you that um, the way that Disneyland does used to do things is they would try to promote movies that they felt like needed to be promoted, like extra promoted in a way that was fun and exciting. So when this movie came out, it was two years after the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. And they moved into the year of a million dreams, which was like the theme. And so they decided to do an extra promotion for this film and they had a pre-parade for it. So they had Giselle in her full white wedding gown pulled in a carriage as they uh, did the Carrie Underwood song ever, ever, uh, ever after as it like they went down the parade route and it opened the parade and they did that every day and it twice a day. And it was the greatest thing ever. Wow. That's super cool. Yeah. And for me, like, the one thing that I love the most about this movie is that Giselle and Robert are, like, completely polar opposites and eventually meet somewhere in the middle. So you get to watch Giselle become more of grounded in reality while Robert starts to embrace his more, like, true love romantic side. And you get to see, like, his progression towards that while Giselle moves away from, like, her fantasy princess fairy tale world and meet him in the center, which is like really fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's really, really cool to see it progress throughout the movie. Um, I just, I thought it was just a great movie. Like, I love this movie. Um, I love the music too. Like you said, the music in this is fantastic. And I'm just, I'm so impressed with how they do this, like send up almost, it's almost like a roast of all these Disney tropes, but they do an amazing job of poking fun at it while still being respectful to the tropes and like the source material that they're making fun of. That's a very hard balance to strike and they just nail it on. So yeah, watching this right after Snow White and Sleeping Beauty was the right choice because we immediately had all the context for everything we were seeing and it was a lot of this was like how you and I were reacting to those last two movies. Patrick Dempsey got to do that for us as we were watching this one. Yes, yes he did. That lucky, lucky man. <laughs> so let's get into some moments about the movie. Um, like we mentioned, there's animation, and then it gets into live action as they kind of get kicked into the real world, our real world. Um, but we have our storybook opening that now that I know to watch for it, Katie, I keep seeing it everywhere. And also what's the best about this storybook opening is that Julie Andrews is our lovely, amazing narrator for this film. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. No, I know her voice so well. She used to do the spiel for the fireworks and she's Mary Poppins, Sound of Music. Like, it's Julie Andrews. The world is always a better place when Julie Andrews opens things. Cool. Um, so I think that, like, the movie really starts to take off once they're kind of getting established in New York. Because until then, it's just set up. Um, and there's cool things there. But it's it's all the type of stuff that we've talked about from the last couple of movies. But I think that, like, really, once you get to the part where there's, like, they're cleaning the apartment, that's where things kick off unless you disagree no i i mean i love getting introduced to prince edward who's played by james marsden who does a fantastic job playing this like ditzy just stereotypical prince of disney movies but like i love that he is in this but i love the like once they move into like her being in the real world and i love when she's up on the castle billboard and the daughter is like, or Morgan, her name is Morgan. She's like, Dad, there's a princess up on the castle billboard. <laughs> and then she just like gets out of the car. And I was like, what kind of a parent are you? 
Let me like parenting, like like Patrick Dempsey's parenting abilities in this film are not super fantastic. No, they're not great. But I I really love that cleaning the apartment scene because it's that, you know, it's a stereotypical Disney princess calls the animals around her to help clean. But because it's New York, it's rats and cockroaches and like dirty pigeons. And it's so good. It's so good. It's like because she does the... I don't, she does the, like, her, like, voice out the window or whatever, and they all come in, and even her reaction to them is just like, oh, hi. Yeah, I think in the song, she even calls them vermin. Yes, even though you're vermin, that's what she says. It's called Happy Little Working Song is the song (laughs) that she sings. I love it. I love it so much. Well, and she, like, she makes her own dress, just like Disney princesses do, but she made it, like, out of his curtains in his living room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like his reaction is just so like that's a great dress where'd you get that dress and he looks over and there's literally like patterns cut out of his curtains hanging up and he was like you made a dress out of my curtains and she's like oh you're unhappy he goes i'm not unhappy i'm angry <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't understand the concept of anger she doesn't understand well she doesn't understand a lot like i really liked when he has to explain the concept of dating to her as a disney princess because when she's talking about the true love and this prince that she's looking for and he asks, oh, how long have you been together? And she's like, a day. You know, it. You know, it's just, it's so funny. And he's like, have you gone on a date? And she's just like, what's a date? And so having you explain that to her and walk her through the process of like, don't you want to get to know each other and like, you know, see if you have common interests or anything and just opening her mind to a wider world is, it, it just works for me throughout the whole movie. I... <laughs> Because she's like, I don't know, she just doesn't understand it at all. And I love the um, his secretary, and she was like, he goes, Andalusia. She's like, I don't know if it's a city, a country. He was like, a state. She's like, more like a state of mind. And she's just like <laughs> twirling in the office, which is like super funny. Well, so cute. And like you said, like she doesn't know what being angry is. So when she finally gets angry for the first time, she's like so happy that she's angry and that she knows what anger is that she can't really stay angry and it's like i don't know amy adams is so impressive in this movie i love um i love that and i love the singing in the park because to him it's like he doesn't get it how like she can be so nice to everyone or like she's trying to explain to him because she says this thing because like he has a girlfriend named nancy right who's played by indina menzel and he like gets caught with like having her in the house or whatever because you know you just let strange women sleep at your apartment that you don't know when you have a child in the house i don't know if that's a thing but apparently it's a thing um but she like tells him that he needs to pull her into his arms and uh do a beautiful ballad to reassure her of uh (laughs) of his affections and they have the end up having this like whole thing where he's like she he knows she knows that i love her and she goes but how does she know he goes she just knows and then she breaks into like a song which is just he's like what is happening and like then people start singing with her and he was like he knows the song how does he know this song (laughs) and then this like whole thing just happens and i really love that part so much like when he when she sends the flowers to nancy and she tells the birds to take them to nancy and he was like they're birds how do they know her address and they end up there like they get to her so apparently they do know her address yeah it all just works out and you know there's so many moments in this movie there's uh, a moment where 
near the end where they're asking or uh, it's when the prince is singing and she doesn't sing back and he's like what's wrong and she goes oh i'm i was thinking and it's just like oh right like she's actually having thoughts about things because she wasn't before she was always just like in the moment and reacting but now that she's kind of found that middle ground of the real world she's actually thinking things through and Mm -hmm. i don't know it's um i think you said like prince edward is this sharp contrast to her by the end of the movie right yeah because he ends up still like really playing into his like knight in shining armor kind of like like rescuer like that's just like the personality he has and he calls everybody else peasants always like when he stabs the bus at the beginning of the movie and he was like the vile beast is dead you are now released peasants or he calls yeah patrick Dempsey and his daughter peasants so like he's an airhead that's really what he is when he doesn't really develop as a character but it's not bad because they do that on purpose so that by the end of the movie, he's a contrast to Giselle because Giselle has been growing as a character for the entire movie. Yeah. And I really like that a lot because I don't know, just there's certain things about him that just like make me laugh. And James Barsta does a fantastic job, like playing the prince. He does it so well. I love when um the, I can't remember. It's the guy, the Peter Pettigrew. I know that's not his name, but the guy who's like working for the queen yeah yeah i forget what his name is but he goes uh uh sire do you like yourself and he like looks at him he goes what not what's not to like <laughs> i don't know it's just really funny well and they have so a lot good. of good moments between him and pip too so pip is the oh chipmunk God. that comes through from the animated world and when he comes yes. over he loses his voice so he just has to mime stuff and i know that's one of your favorite scenes right when he's trying to tell he's trying to tell prince edward about the apple that like it's a poison apple right and he like mimes this whole thing and uh like edward goes i got this i got this you die if i wasn't near and pip is just like are you serious like everything i just did and that's what you came up with because the prince is super self-absorbed he only cares about himself yeah all it does um one of my other favorite things in the movie is right near the end when they turn all of these like gender stereotypes on their head and they flip everything around so instead of a princess in distress or a damsel in distress it's a dempsey in distress patrick dempsey gets to actually be like the one in distress even though he's the the man in the relationship which i just i love that i love that they turn everything around and you know right after that happens giselle takes off her glass slipper and grabs a sword and charges after him so they're just like swapping all the traditional gender roles and like i said the fact that they managed to do it so well says so much about the care that was put into this movie yeah, I mean, that's actually one of my favorite parts ever is the because Susan Sarandon plays the the evil, the evil queen or like the Ed, Edward's stepmother, pretty much. That's who she is. And she like turns herself into a dragon. And uh, he was she was trying to get Giselle and, <laughs> and and Robert goes over my dead body. She's like, cool, I'm flexible. And then grabs him. <laughs> And she goes, oh, what a mighty turn in our tale here. The It's the it's the fearless princess coming to save uh, the prince. And she goes, I guess that makes you the damsel in distress, distress eh, handsome? Yep. <laughs> it's, just, it's so good. So, so good. And she does such a great job because it's the whole, like, uh, when she defeats the, the dragon and she saves uh, Edward, like, when he f- starts falling, she, like, goes to catch him. 
But, like, he's obviously way heavier than her. There's no way she's going to yeah. be able to, like, catch him falling out of the sky. And they, like, slide down the top of the building. And she looks at him and she goes, is this a habit of yours? Falling off of things, which is a play from, like, which is what he said to her when she fell off the castle billboard. And he goes, only when you're around to catch me. And I'm just, like, melting in all of the beautiful <laughs> adorableness. Good. Um, so before we wrap up our moments here, you had like rapid fire highlights of all of these different Disney princess movie things that they tie into, right? Yeah. So this movie references is a lot of Disney princess movies, like real quick. So from Snow White, you have the hag, uh, poison apple, wishing well, animal helpers, and then the magic mirror. And from Sleeping Beauty, you have the dragon, damsel in distress, also animal helpers. Uh, Cinderella, you have like animal helpers, uh, fairy godmother, which you, which you said the fairy Morgan is her fairy godmother, but her oh, yeah. ability is to is identity theft and using credit cards. It's some light identity theft. She steals her father's credit card, and then her superpower as a fairy godmother is using her father's credit card to buy a bunch of stuff. I love that. I love that. It's. It's so good. Um, she also makes her own dresses. And then you have the, obviously, like, the slipper reference. And and in The Little Mermaid, um, you didn't know this, but the secretary who works uh, for Robert yeah. is Jody Benson, who is the voice of Ariel. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. And then if you listen closely to when uh, Giselle is by the fish tank, you can hear Under the Sea playing by the fish tank. <laughs> That's cool. And then um, the dress that Giselle wears to the ball, it's purple. And it's actually shaped, the shape of the dress looks like a um, a mermaid fin. And then, like, when she's wet up on the, on the roof with uh, Robert, it looks like she is sitting like Ariel up oh, on the roof. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. But as you're saying it, it's like, yep, that all, that all tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these, like, things come up somewhere inside of this movie because... It's like literally a play on all the Disney princess films uh, up until that point. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's wrap up with some bad and some good. There's not a whole lot of bad in this one for me. I, I like this movie so much, but you and I both found something because we always like to throw something in as like no movie's perfect. The one thing that didn't work for me in this one was the CG dragon. It just did nothing for me. I was like, mm, then that could have been done better. Yeah. It's not great. Um, but the but beyond that, the worst thing that happened in this movie is the fact that they cast Andina Menzel in a role in a movie where they're singing and she doesn't sing. Yes, I will agree with that. I didn't even think about that, but you're so right, 100%. Um, like, I can't even deal with it. <laughs> so the good. There's a lot of good, and I think we just talked about most of it, but how would you summarize the good parts of this? Um, it's, I feel like the biggest good part about it is watching Giselle and Robert's growth throughout the film. Like you watch Giselle become more grounded in reality, um, but not losing certain parts of like who she is, like her still, like her love for animals. And like, cause you see that at the end when she opens her fashion, like her fashion line, the Andalasia fashion line. So she's still making clothes. She still has ties to like being a Disney princess, but Robert also opens up to the thought of true love because they're the ones who share true loves for like true love's kiss because it's the most powerful thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, it it's ridiculous. Like you actually get to see just how ridiculous princess movie tropes are in real life. Pretty much what it is. And then Pip, he's amazing. Even though he couldn't talk, he still helped save the day because he did. He is actually the one who vested the beast because he stood on her and then she <laughs> fell off the roof. 
Thanks, just got to lay off the nuts, man. That's what he's got to do. He ate too many nuts. Yeah, it all ties back together. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I totally agree. Like, Patrick Dempsey and Giselle, so Robert and Giselle. Sorry, I've told you, I'm bad with actor names and, like, character names. Um, But them becoming more like each other, that's a huge highlight of the film. I think that, help me out here with actor names, is it Amy Adams and James Marsden are the two? Yes. Okay, so the way that they embrace their characters is... It, it, they embrace their characters in the best way possible. If they were not willing to 100% go for it, this movie would not work. Just flat out wouldn't work. So yeah. the way that they are able to be super genuine and true to those characters while being perfectly over the top, like I just have to applaud that. It's it's crazy. Um, and then, you know, watching them turn all these classic Disney princess tropes on their head, um, I love that. I love that throughout the whole thing. And then the other thing was my wife watched this one with me, which... I'm not going to call that out every time it happens, but usually if she's actually willing to like stop, like she sees what I'm watching and she usually just keeps walking, you know, and she's like, oh, I like this one. And she ended up settling in with me and like watched probably three fourths of it. And, you know, when I said like Dempsey in distress, that was her line. Like she said that while we were watching the movie and I cracked up. So I had to include it here. Um, but yeah, That's no, so good. I, I love it when, you know, it's good enough that like she'll sit and watch with me. That's a good sign for the movie. That's good. I love it. Your wife is cool, so. My wife is cool. I agree. Um, so our ratings. Katie, how do you rate this one? I gave it 10 ahs to call animal helpers. <laughs> That's good. I will give it seven Dempsey's in distress because <laughs> I love that. I love the alliteration. Um, if you guys want to watch along with us, what's coming up next? We have 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea from 1954. Neither of us have watched that. Neither of us have any idea what we're stepping into. You can join us in that endeavor. Um, we also have Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier from 1955. I guess there's a couple different Davy Crockett movies, but we're doing King of the Wild Frontier because we, you know, threw a dart at a board, essentially, virtually, not actually. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll find out what those hold for us as we get to them in the next couple weeks. Um, around the network, don't forget the uh, Geek to Geek Network. You can get podcasts. You can get streamers. We have the Geekery blog, all sorts of good stuff. We just want to connect geeks. That's what we're trying to do is make a community where people can have fun. Um, you can go to geek2geekmedia.com or geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe if you want it all sent to you. Um, and then we always like to wrap up with some weekly geekery, some low-key weekly geekery, since Katie and I both dive deep on our other podcasts. So, Katie, what do you have for some light thumbs up, thumbs down geekery this week? Um, I'm still working my way through you. The Netflix season two is available um, because Chelsea and I are going to be doing an episode on that for Tea Time. And if you want to follow along with me, I've been live tweeting every episode that I watch. <laughs> so and people seem to have been enjoying it or so they tell me on Twitter. Uh I also saw Rise of Skywalker again because two of my friends didn't see it yet and they like work in Star Wars land. So it was probably good for them to see it. Still thumbs middle for that one. Yeah. Like still got, I don't know, it was better on second run, but still like not great. That's how I felt too. Yeah. Oh, you, I gave a thumbs up. It's scary and amazing. But Okay. <clears throat> And then the other thing that happened this weekend is I sort of did a Fantasyland Attractions family reunion style kind of thing. Um, it was interesting. We threw like a surprise lunch for one of our older co-workers. She was like our grandma in the area. And we wanted to like 
we hadn't seen her. I hadn't seen her in like seven years. So it was fun to like spend some time with her and then spend some time with the other people that I haven't seen in years. And then it got super awkward when one of my old coworkers showed up and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> oh, Katie. I was so bad. I like tried to introduce myself and I was like, I don't think I know you. And he goes, oh, no, you do know me. And I'm like, I really don't think I do. Turns out did know him. And I uh, will never, ever live that down for the rest of my entire life. So thumbs awkward for that one. <laughs> Perfect. Um, for me this week, uh, I'm getting back into Fire Emblem Three Houses, which was probably my game of the year for last year. Um, there's a bunch of different routes through the game, and I've beaten the game like one and a half times. So I'm kind of on my second playthrough, my second route. It's like a different route through the game. It gives you different story, different characters and stuff. I'm really liking it. That still gets a thumbs up for me. So I'm just picking away at it because I like that game so much. Um, and that's one where we have a full episode on it where BJ Keaton and I talked a lot on the Geek to Geek podcast. So if you guys are interested in Fire Emblem Three Houses, um, you can go find that on that podcast feed. We talked about it a lot. And then the other thing from this week that I would recommend recommend for basically everybody out there is this series on youtube called vfx artists react to bad and great cg and that also gets a thumbs up for me because it is exactly what it says on the box like it is these professional vfx artists and it's just them reacting to cg throughout tons of different movies and sometimes they pick really good stuff sometimes they pick really bad stuff but they break it down they tell you why it's good or why it's bad or if it's bad how they would improve it and i just find it so insightful i love it it's fantastic that's probably it for this week uh you guys can find us all over the internet our email address is disneyforeverpodcast at gmail.com or reach us on twitter katie where are we on twitter uh we are at disney ever pod (laughs) Yes, you couldn't say it without laughing. I love it. I can't. Um, You can also talk to us in real time if you really want to, because we're really cool people, by joining our Slack workspace or our Discord server. We'll include invite links for those in our show notes. Yep. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Geek to Geek podcast with BJ Keaton. Um, And I'm super active on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Lady Catherine P. I post a lot about cats, K-pop, and coffee, and I'm also on Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. Can't be forever, right? It better be because I want the sequel to Enchanted. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough.